This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. From the stories of the past and the fiction writers of the future, the Mutual Audio Network presents Mutual Book Club. You are about to listen to chapters 2, 3, and 4 of the audiobook The Devil's Pinata, written and read by John Bell. You've been warned. Get out while you still can. Chapter 2. Too late, you're stuck now. Pop quiz. This quiz is a public service to help you keep up with what's happening just in case, like me, you have terrible reading habits. Chances are you read the first chapter, put your e-reader down, it ended up under some ladies' magazine, you forgot about it for a few weeks, stumbled across it again when you were looking for your My Little Pony catalog, and decided to pick up where you left off, but you're not sure you remember the important points of the story so far. If you do well on this quiz, you can keep reading. If you fail, your punishment is to go back and read the first chapter again. If you're like me, you'll end up reading the first chapter six or seven times. Actually, if I were smart, I'd have just stopped writing this book after the first chapter and made the rest of the pages in the book blank, since you'll probably never get that far anyway. Heck, there's a good chance you're not reading this. But for the few stalwart folks who have made it this far, here is the quiz. Good luck. Which of the following names is misspelled? 1. Gwendolyn. 2. Uthant. Three. Zbigniew Brzezinski. Four. Dirk Pitt. Who is the general in this story? One. Mayhem. Two. Confusion. Three. Clambake. Four. Foods. What is the story missing so far? One. A plot. Two. Any sense at all. Three. Cohesion. Four. An opportunity for a refund. What fast food stand, which agreed to pay me for each mention in the book, was located off exit 37A? 1. Crisp O Chick. 2. Crisp O Chick. 3. Crisp O Chick. 4. Crisp O Chick. In what literary point of view is this book written? 1. First person. 2. Second person. 3. Third person. 4. Bipolar. Scoring. You got them all correct. Keep reading. But first, go out and get a big old box of Crispo Chick. Remember, Crispo Chick is where that fried sucker of a clucker makes your lips pucker, so eat it till you tucker. Out! Slogan registered trademark of the Crispo Chick Corporation, a division of International Monumental Nuclear Arms and Spaghetti Sauce. All rights reserved, void where prohibited, plus tax, tag, and dock fees. Member FDIC. Chapter 3. In a small adobe shack, not the one where the flash players are programmed, but where the reader is available. A young bearded man wrapped a bundle in brown paper. His eyes darted about furtively, then returned to their sockets. He picked up the bundle and stepped outside into the bright morning sunshine. Kochini platzumto intruski, he mumbled, which loosely translated means, your daughter packs a wallop. Although he meant to mumble, Geez, that morning sunshine is bright, but the language in Babenstan is very complex, 
tricky, and ultimately klachmich. He stumbled, half-blind, to the corner of Zuchish and Brzezinski. This is where he was instructed to take the bundle. From a distance, he heard a voice call, Fla, der klachnab plastasine. For you less intelligent readers, I shall translate into English from this point forward. Fla, is bundle you are carrying for myself? Fla, the young man with the beard and the bundle, trying not to get them confused, looked down the block and saw an older man with a beard but no bundle. He called to him, Excusing me, but are you agent of secret that I am to meet to deliver unto you this bundle of great secrecy that nobody is to be aware of? That is I, the other man bellowed back. Fla puzzled out loud. Were we not to meet at corner Zuchuch and Brzezinski? No, the older man responded. We were to meet at the corner of Chutzik and Brzezinski. Our language is so chlachmich. I have made an error for which I shall punish myself with a great deal of pain, like reading this book past the second chapter. Where shall we meet now that our first plan has gone pachuchik? If you wait there, I shall come to where you are. Excellent plan, O older man with beard but no bundle. I shall wait here whereupon we shall have our secret meeting that nobody is to know about, shouted the young man although the bundle and beard remained silent. Dusk settled with dust as the sun slowly slid down behind the Babenstan Mountains. The desert mosquitoes buzzed loudly as they circled about, searching for cattle to carry back to their nests. Fla sat, pondering the eventful events that eventually led him to this place, wishing upon all that is sacred that the older man with the beard would show the hell up. It's been six hours. There was a knock. Fla, who was still at the corner of Zachuch and Brzezinski, looked up and saw that the older man with the beard had knocked on the sign of the store he sat before. The sign read, Carpets, Linoleum, and Executions. Fla stood. Fla fell down. Fla's legs had fallen asleep as he sat upon the hard ground waiting for the meeting to occur. Luckily, his beard was still awake and helped him to his feet. Fla said, Meaning no disrespect, O great one who has wisdom and fortitude, but why is it you took six hours to walk one block to my location? The older man frowned at Fla. I stopped for coffee. Turns out the Starbucks had Wi-Fi, so I checked my email. You want to make of it something? Fla felt himself, his beard, and even the bundle blushing. A thousand pardons, O wonderful purveyor of espionage and plot starting. I accept, said the man. How's that? responded Fla, puzzled. The thousand pardons, give them to me. Isn't that just an expression, O fabulous older man whose shoes I am not worthy to resole? No. You offered a thousand pardons, so give them to me, or choose death instead. Fla thought for a moment. Is there anything behind door number three? No, expostulated the man. Very well, Fla said. Pardon, 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 oh boy, 
pardon, 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 pardon. I'm getting headache. Pardon, 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 pardon. Got any aspirin on you? Pardon, 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 pardon. Excuse me, need to scratch my beard. Ah, that's the stuff. Pardon, 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 pardon. There, you have them. You left one out, growled the older man. I did, Fla rejoined. A thousand pardon. Ah, I accept. Could you please just hew me in two? asked Fla. That was the plan anyway, admitted the older man. With that, he drew a huge scimitar from his inside breast pocket and neatly cleaved Fla in two. Fla, being divided down the middle, lost his grip on the bundle and dropped it onto the street. The older man, with a deep breast pocket, collected the bundle and darted his eyes. He removed the darts and quickly trundled down the street. This bundle will bring an end to the Western world, he chortled under his breath. If that's not a clachmicky plot starter, I am not knowing what one is, he chuckled as he approached the clach-o-chick, crisp-o-chick stand. That fried sucker of a clucker makes your lips pucker, so eat it till you tucker! Out! Chapter 4 Somewhere far out over the ocean... I'm not sure which one, I get them confused, but it's one of the big ones. A top-secret nuclear-powered suborbital jet flew at just over the speed of sound. Inside the cockpit, the pilot turned to the co-pilot and said, Naturally, since they were going faster than the speed of sound, the co-pilot couldn't hear what the pilot was saying, and it was very difficult to put the top-secret nuclear-powered suborbital jet in reverse to go back and collect the sound that it was faster than. So the pilot scribbled a note on a piece of paper, the back of his grocery list he promised to take care of when he got home, and by taking care of, he meant throw it away, the word dinner. He glanced at the speedometer to make sure they weren't going faster than the speed of scribble, then handed the note to the co-pilot. The co-pilot read the note, moving his lips as he did, which the pilot hated, unless, of course, the co-pilot was reading out loud, which would be fruitless at this speed. The co-pilot looked angrily at the pilot as if the pilot had insulted him. The pilot, whom I shall now call Fred because I'm tired of typing pilot, looked at the note in Horatio's hand, realizing that Horatio had the paper right side up and was reading the first item on the grocery list. Turkey. Fred signaled Horatio to turn the paper over so he could read the other side. Ho, I'm calling him Ho now because I got tired of typing Horatio, feel free to make your own joke here, did so, then smiled. He scribbled something under the word dinner and handed it back to Fred. Fred read the new word on the note. Dancing? Fred decided that this ploy was going nowhere, so he rubbed his stomach to show that he was hungry. 
Ho waggled his eyebrows Groucho-style at Fred. Fred gave up, got out of the pilot's seat, whacked Ho on the back of his head, then proceeded to the plane's mess to fix himself some dinner. Author's note. A kitchen is often called a mess on military vessels, mostly because they are maintained by men. Fred opened the pantry to find something healthy to eat, since he and Ho had snarfed down all the pizzas for breakfast. He found a can of asparagus. Fred did not like asparagus. He didn't like the taste, he didn't like the texture, and he didn't like the smell it created at the urinal. If you don't know what smell I'm talking about, then the next time you eat asparagus and then go to the restroom, urinal out of trouble. <laughs> but he was hungry, so he scooped out the asparagus into a saucepan. He took the can over to the trash chute and dropped it in. There were two very wrong things about that last action. First, it wasn't the trash chute that he dropped the can into. It was the access portal to the nuclear reactor that powered the plane. Due to bad design, the two chutes looked exactly alike. There was actually a third chute for recyclables, but being men, they never used that chute, intentionally or accidentally. Next, the can wasn't empty. There was one last asparagus stalk in the can. Fred never knew what he had done or what the consequences of this action would be. The can, with the asparagus inside, bounced down into the reactor. The can was instantly incinerated, but the asparagus was spared as the reactor didn't like the urinal smell or pun. The asparagus shot through the reactor and out into space through the exhaust, glowing green, the radioactive asparagus looked like a Kermit meteorite as it plummeted towards Earth. Be sure to be here next week for the next chapter in The Devil's Pinata. <laughs> Copyright 2020 by John Bell Creative, LLC. The Mutual Book Club. Available on any of the Mutual Audio Days, the Mutual Fiction Podcast feed, and the Mutual Audio Network feed. Thanks to the reader for today's performance, and please look for more classic tales and future writers next time at the Mutual Book Club. Thank you for listening to Friday Follies right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic, live, and theatrical audio plays. Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama. Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine. Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama. Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike. And Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.